Matt should join in on the fun. Well, that's an interesting point, Stephen. Good thing we're recording now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. We're back. Um, It's me and Stephen. Uh, We had a great big hiatus because of a variety of things that took place in our lives. Uh, Since the last time we spoke, coronavirus hit the U.S. and there's been crazy amounts of shit uh, going on. It's been, what, seven months almost to the day uh, since we last recorded and posted our thing. Apparently some people like listening to us, Steve. Um, <laughs> Cause uh, we had a, a great, uh, many of you listened to our podcast um, where we had my friend uh, bait on and our friend Peyton discussing game of the year and what we thought would be the best game. And I was brutally betrayed. Um, so we want to thank you up front for all that. Um, just just as a correction, it wasn't just game of the year. It was like game of the generation. We were actually discussing like within what the past, uh, yeah, roughly almost the past 10 years of games. I was right. It was the decade. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's fine. I just. It was called Deco. Uh, what was the episode? Called? The Royal Decade. The Royal, of course. Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> the Royal Decade. I pay attention to our episode titles. Um, I do think I, I do think it's the best episode title. Uh, so this episode is brought to you by um, nothing. Our we need sponsors. sponsors. <laughs> I would love to sponsor, you know, like. Monster energy drink, monster, yeah. Action. yeah, monster energy drink, or I'd love to, you know, pop cap, hit me up, uh, give us, give us money, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, brought to you by us living, uh, working from home, <laughs> brought to you by, uh, COVID nineteen, horrible, horrible stuffs going on in the world, um, but. On a less joking note, uh, I do want to say that I um, just want to thank all of our listeners for listening to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a few different subjects, um, but I personally found out, what, two hours ago, and apparently it was in the in the media today specifically, that um, unfortunately, Chadwick Boseman has passed away due to colon cancer. I believe it was colon cancer. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. Stephen. No, that's uh, correct. Very absolutely tragic for not just you know fans of superhero movies but fans of his work in general exactly like the the way that he managed to portray his talent into the films while being treated for the cancer is actually pretty astonishing and i get i guess leads more credence to how um powerful his uh his performance has been in those films. Yeah, and I highly recommend anyone go see, you know, Black Panther. Um, definitely. He played Jackie Robinson, which yep, surprisingly Robinson. today is also Jackie Robinson Day. That is equally yeah, that, that's sad. That's eerie. Right. Um, 2020 is just full of horrible shit, and so this is the yes. next, next thing to add on to the pile. Um, but, yeah, um, if you haven't if you haven't go and watch the five bloods which he's in it as well um if you haven't seen jackie robinson if even if, if you should go watch his filmography it's beautiful work uh and he'll be sorely missed especially um for those fans of his 
of all of his work, but also for fans of his one of his, I would say, his best portrayals. Uh, that is, I mean, Black Panther, because Black Panther is not just a superhero; he's a he's a whole movement. I mean, um, for yeah, individuals who are black in in every country. I feel like he is a huge inspiration as a superhero. I mean, if you're going to get inspiration as a kid, what are you going to get it from? Your parents, sure. Um, a few things, but you get inspiration from movies, right? Superheroes. And this is going to be a first touch point for a lot of a lot of kids. And sadly, now he's no longer going to be um, Black Panther. And I don't even I don't even want to talk about it. Like he's irreplaceable he is black panther yeah it's like he, yeah exactly it's he's, like hugh jackman it, is wolverine he is black panther they're yeah they're you will have your batmans with a rotating selection of actors you will have your james bond with your rotating selection of actors but when it comes to t'challa and how we envision the character chadwick boseman will always be the one image that pops into our minds yeah. regardless of time yeah, so uh, definitely um, condolences go out to his family, and they obviously they knew. I would assume they knew about the the cancer. Um, I had noticed something was going on, like when he started losing weight, and like I think someone had said he was dropping for a roll, or he maybe he said that. I was like, uh, okay, but then he started to look very skinny, like chick. You could easily see cheekbones. I was like, okay, like something's going on he's looking like um christian bale the, in the machinist like that skinny and i was like ah yeah okay. it's disheartening to see so um very somber uh note to start off on but we thought we should acknowledge it at the very front um because uh he will be sorely missed so Okay, All right. so um, oh. for this uh, episode today, uh, we're going to be talking about um, two of our games that have really left lasting impressions on us, and I use lasting impressions as a, uh, as a pun, um, because we're going to talk about The Last of Us 2, uh, of which both of us have now beat. Uh, we've had plenty of time to beat it. I was like a dead snail pace, um, <laughs> and you were... I was, I was gunning for it, man. I, I mean, I, I was gunning for it because I, I didn't want to get spoiled. But surprisingly, it's a game that doesn't have many plot points to tackle and to get spoiled, mm-hmm. except for in the very beginning. Right. Um, but yeah. And, and uh, the second game. Ghost of Tsushima. Um, yeah. I recently beat it and platinumed it. Uh, Steven has also platinumed it. He was much quicker at doing so, of course, than I was. But it's not a competition. <laughs> it's not a competition. No, it's about how you enjoy the game. Um, and I, I absolutely am. That game was amazing, and I really we're gonna get into it, like the finite details of it. But I think that cinema, like. It's not a word, but like the cine- the cinematography, cinematography is a word. I was going to say cinematography. I was going to say something else, but the cinematography in the game is absolutely amazing. I mean, if you made that 
like HBO couldn't make that into a TV series, but I feel, felt like I was watching a grand epic every time there would be a cutscene or anything, even the little so- small side stories or like the mythic tales, which are just amazing unto themselves with the little, like with the artistic drawings in the very beginning of everything. We'll get into all this, um, but solid game, probably one of my favorite games of 2020 so far. Um, definitely definitely uh there's a hole in me right now from not <laughs> from finishing it and platinum it i mean sure there's stuff of course that i can still get like some vanity items and a few other things and like i think the scrolls and everything but i platinumed it i literally have done everything in the game to some degree and that's worthwhile doing so we'll talk about that in a moment uh we'll talk about that but first um Steven, I'm going to let you lead this conversation, but go ahead, man. Uh, let's let's talk about Last of Us 2. All right. Let's speak about the buildup to The Last of Us Part 2 and its release. Uh, when COVID hit, the sort of ripple effect it had on game development sort of just led many teams to telework. And one would assume that that would... Uh, have ramifications to not only leaks happening because of the server-side technology uh, that had to be implemented so that they can telework and, you know, complete the finishing touches for the game's production. But unfortunately for the case of The Last of Us Part II, uh, a few months before the final release date of June 19th, I believe, uh, that pretty much, the story got leaked. And it was through, like portions of certain cutscenes and the context of the story really was you know split up in a way that formed a narrative against the game and its creators in a way that i really haven't seen before um obviously we are living in dark times at the moment um it's a case of us versus them mentality that has sort of like plagued our social and political uh, communication um, to the point where it's a bit disheartening to see just how vast the context of like social media has become. Uh, I also wanted to have a different episode regarding Death Stranding when it comes to that because I think it's very fascinating. But back to the main point. Um, So the game got leaked the story got leaked and then youtube as being the prime example of you know moral authority and you know fair and balanced views (laughs) a lot of like the you know youtubers that were aiming for clicks and whatnot they sort of already had a judgment day approach to the game where they kind of demeaned the story as it sort of uh destroying the legacy of what the first game built or was starting to build upon. And the game starts off with the biggest plot point very early on, as as we all know at this point. Are we releasing are we gonna gonna say spoilers in here? Yeah, it's full on spoilers. Yeah, uh, so you've been warned if you've not played the game for some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> Both of these games are gonna spoil the hell out of so this may not be the thing for you, but if you don't care about that, feel free to stay. Um, continue forth, Stephen. Yeah, and so the the first point I wanted to tackle was just 
Joel's death. So obviously, the game starts off with uh, with the uh, secondary protagonist that we eventually play halfway through the game as Abby, a character that has been reviled and hated among the online community um, for reasons that is understandable at first because a lot of the talk re- regarding this game has always been sort of like shoehorned into oh this game is disrespecting Joe as a character and I feel like if you were to take that one cutscene of his death out of context of the entire uh, storytelling game itself it robs you of the little subtle details that leads up to it in addition to I also have to question a person's judgment when it comes to criticizing games in in that caliber because the first game does a lot of insinuation at the end because it ends off with obviously Joel saving Ellie because of the love that he had for her as a proxy to his love for Sarah, his daughter that was killed in the very beginning of that game. And so that sort of like deep emptiness that Joel felt sort of Ellie was able to fill in that regard. But what made The Last of Us, the original, so interesting was the dynamic between both characters and the way that Ellie didn't just kotel to whatever Joel said. Obviously, when you have two characters butting heads with each other, it creates for a much more interesting uh, dynamic, uh, both in terms of tone and in the themes it tried to portray. And so when people were talking about, oh, look, you know, Joel didn't get his hero moment or he just got wasted because he was a plot device for, you know, a a bare bones revenge story that pretty much just says, oh, you know, see, revenge is bad and you should feel bad. Like, it's just so fascinating how so many people can really imagine themselves as critics and sort of, you know, contextualize the meaning behind what the creator wanted to do. In this case, Druckmann being the creator of The Last of Us and Part 2 as he was game director. And it's just fascinating and it's also a bit sad in a way because it kind of, again, right now we live in a world that rushes to judgment too quickly nowadays. Mm -hmm. And it's just... The build-up to the game's release, the hype machine, um, it was just like, wow. First, we have to avoid the spoiler for Joel's death. Uh, luckily, I think for both of us, we managed to avoid them. I I stayed away, and I was gonna. This is a good point for me to jump in on this. I stayed away from everything. Yeah, everything. I did not go. A, I didn't go searching for any spoilers, but I didn't. I stayed away from the bad reviews. I stayed away from everything. I went old school as if I was, you know, a young lad just before all the... Essentially, when... You, and I equate this to being similar. When I was younger and I wouldn't see trailers popping up on YouTube, i just see them in the movie theater, Right. It's like, oh my god, wow, that's exciting. And I'm seeing him in like Dolby Surround Sound, right? Yeah. Just like that, I was experiencing the game firsthand. There was almost, almost no input. I didn't get spoiled for Joel's death, which I kind of figured he was going to die. Uh, I didn't get 
told I was going to play as a secondary character at all. I stayed away from every single review just so I could experience it myself. Now, as soon as I got in there, there was a few few things that got a little bit spoiled for me, but I, I don't think I... I never figured out, like, if Abby was going to die at the end. I didn't figure out anything. The only thing I looked up... I actually, I didn't even look up anything. I was trying to say I was going to look up collectibles, but I just used the the in-game apparatus to kind of find those collectibles and they still fucking those coins damn it um but yeah uh so and and i gotta say overall i really enjoyed the game um and the story that kind of revolves around yeah okay i don't like abby i still think i i I, you still don't like her at the end I don't like her, but I understand her more. Okay. See, there's a difference. You can you can like a character. Like I like Joel. Mm-hmm. I understand his flaws, but I still like him. Uh, I don't have to like. I don't necessarily like Ellie at the end of this as well. That's interesting. I mean, I I like Ellie, but. Ellie definitely took a, a far, a very dark path um, where it came down to like, you know, yes, Joel died, but, you know, when she puts the gun up to these two people and the one pregnant lady, and it's like, okay, and I'm forgetting their names. Um, also, the guy uh, that she kills in that same scene. What Owen and Meg, I oh, believe. Owen, yes. Mm-hmm. Owen and Meg. Thank you. Horrible names. Um, Owen and Meg. Owen is great side character. I think he's top tier side character. At first, I didn't like him. I felt he was too too much of a goody two shoes. Too much like, of a want. Yeah, like he kind of wanted things to be too harmonious mm-hmm. in, in a world that doesn't really respect that and i feel i felt his naive was like you know but that's what kind of spoke to me later on as as we actually got to see his old his entire arc play out and Mm -hmm. i grew to appreciate his character because of that and Um, i I definitely feel bad for at like at the end at the end how can you not feel some like horrible empathy for Abby. Like it's a trap. It's, it's a, I still don't like her. Right. She still killed Joel. I'm that's still, (laughs) she, she was the spark of revenge that caused the whole domino effect. But then at the same time, Joel did start it all. Didn't he? He, he killed, but it's just, it's an eye for an eye. It's a clear story of how an eye for an eye can, can leave the, can make everything go to shit. That's not the saying. Eye for an eye can make the whole world blind, but it's literally like, if you take it to its final ends, if you keep continuously doing revenge on those people, them, the them in this story, it's going to lead to ruin. And for Ellie to not kill Abby at the end, is kind of it's quite beauty and then of course you brought up the juxtaposition of how um her not uh ellie not killing abby really is um is ellie forgiving joel for what he did which of course i think it's somewhere in the first half of the game you find out that joel did she ellie did figure out what joel did and then um you know ellie yeah because fight with him 
Yeah, because in a way, what people don't understand is people look at the surface level uh, appearance of the characters and how they are portrayed, but they don't really consider the legacy and the impact they have even beyond death. Uh, take, for instance, God of War, where one of my main complaints was we didn't really see the, the, the moms like, like actually like some type of uh, back cutscenes where we see her interact with Kratos and Atreus, you know, like, but then when I look back on that game and I'm like, well, her influence is spread throughout the game in very subtle ways. And even in the dynamic between Kratos and, and Atreus, like even after death, she is still having an, an impact, even though we don't see it. And in that same regard, The Last of Part Two, I think, handles Joel in probably the most respectful way possible. Even in the whole cutscene where he is brutally murdered with a golf club. Because when you look at how Abigail kind of threatens him and sort of like spits on him, and like, I mean, no, she doesn't spit on him, but someone else does. It's Manny, actually. Manny, yeah. Yeah, Manny was the one that spits on him. But like, even that whole perception of desecration of his character, um, he still realized yeah i fucked up and yeah i probably deserved it and he went out with as much dignity as was possible uh in that moment and i think many people just disregard that because they're so connected to the character emotionally which again was the whole intent behind that scene it was meant to evoke a sense of disgust revenge hatred whatever you want to call it to the point where you are willing to go to the ends of the world with Ellie and Dina to extract this revenge from Abby. Mm -hmm. And that's where much of the discussion regarding the game is too one-sided and too, I don't want to say shallow, but like one-dimensional in regards to, oh, this is just a revenge story. We have seen this so many times. If you were to ask me personally, I didn't, I the way that the game starts has the pretense of a revenge story for sure but as the game further goes along i see this more as a coming of age for ellie and to some extent abigail but more so ellie because obviously with the whole ending that was given to us ellie came to this realization as she's inside the farmhouse with everything gone and having sacrificed so much just to you know, complete the mission of revenge and then ultimately saying, you know, no, it's not worth it. Um, she leaves Joel's guitar there, tries to, you know, pluck at the strings and form the uh, song that Joel... Missing two fingers. With, yeah, missing two fingers, obviously. And I And that specific scene, it all hits me and I'm like, I get it now. And... To be honest, I, I kind of felt like a lot of people kind of missed the point of of why this whole journey kind of had to be made. For me personally, the game wasn't about revenge. And obviously, a lot of people who thought it was and wanted to kill Abby were disappointed. And that's understandable. Uh, but to me, this was Ellie coming into terms that she has to be her own woman in a way that she never felt like she could have any agency in any decision or relationships she fostered with Joel being such this omnipresent shadow over her. And 
it's that love that Joel had for Ellie and vice versa that became so corrosive to the point where Ellie just had no agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get to see glimpses of this when she fosters a relationship with Dina, um, which I thought was well done and, you know, was pretty natural. Um, I kind of wish they had more scene, more scenes together. Um, and But ultimately, Dina had the relationship with uh, Jesse, uh, who she had, you know, carried his, his son uh, during the journey. And ultimately, in that one scene at the theater where they reunite Jesse and Dina and Ellie and, you know, they're both relieved that, you know, they're all still alive. And Ellie walks away as Dina and Jesse bond. And a very subtle moment. Fucking Naughty Dog. They're so good at the little details. It's hard to find another developer that really hammers the theme with the small touches, like the, the small character movements, the, the facial animations. Um, and the way she just walks away with like this disheartening look of disappointment of like yeah like it's always been you know dina and jesse like it's always been them and perhaps at that moment ellie felt like she was stealing dina from jesse or she felt guilt in in regards to that but she still kind of wishes that dina was hers and again at the end she she got that but it still wasn't enough to bring you know, a sense of closure and hope for her uh, after Joel's death. And again, it's just that the whole theme of love being corrosive and Ellie coming to terms with finally having some sense of agency for her life, because I feel like she never had that. Joel, Joel robbed that of her in the hospital scene mm-hmm. where where the, the whole plot of, La- of The Last of Us Part Two just... The main central event was the ending of The Last of Us Part 1. And mm-hmm. the moniker of Part 2, it, it's just, it, it just makes so much more sense on why they decided to carry that naming convention. It harkens back to The Godfather Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. I mean, it to me, it's just very quaint with how Naughty Dog managed to approach the plot structure of this game. Um, and again, it's just... To me, revenge is one pillar of this game, but I feel like it's the one thing that's least interesting to me. It's a caution. I think it's a very good cautionary tale. It's like, yeah, yeah, most definitely. revenge doesn't get you anywhere. It shows you like that. That's how, you know, a deep seated hate for, you know, something or someone really will like eat away at everything. And it did. It led to the end tale of, of what, um, it actually is and right. and it really brings it home because we see it and that's that's the whole thing of the last of us it's like it starts off as like a traveling you know you're traveling with your surrogate daughter after she's died um and you know then he kind of his first his first mistake was kind of, and it was impossible for him to, him to even separate from it, but, you know, seeing, actually seeing her as a daughter and then, you know, going through and killing everyone and saving, saving her. That was his first mistake. And that's a cautionary tale because what did that do? It got him killed by the daughter, um, of the, of the guy he killed. Right. And so, but then she goes and she, 
it, her cautionary tale is okay well i'm gonna go kill this guy that killed my dad so i'm gonna go cross country oh look there he is okay now he's dead boom i win i killed him i got my revenge screw you mistake and so that eventually leads her to be left with literally no one because ellie goes around killing every single one she loves and even the dog which i feel really bad about after you go through the whole like you (laughs) kill the dog and then you switch over to her and it's like uh i really like that dog um and so then you go through as abby and you see you even lose um i forget the little scar scar girl's name um um let's see lev yara 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 is what i was thinking of um and how it's like okay well you've you've literally lost almost everyone except for lev so the whole thing is like okay the cautionary tale keeps going until the end where it's like okay well ellie is gonna kill abby that's the last final thing for the circle to be complete because joel got did his cautionary tale i guess ellie did as well because ellie also lost everyone but she stopped she cut it short of the full measure because to some degree but you know she still lost her fingers she lost her love she lost the baby she lost her friends um but when it comes down to killing abby she didn't do it why because she in some surrogate way forgave her of course she didn't forgive her but she was just like i'm not gonna do this because look where it got everything in the final moments of the game while you're on the beach yeah definitely um and in that same regard just that final cutscene the final conversation between joel and ellie is just oh it's so well done it's just it feels mundane enough that it could be an everyday conversation but just enough nuance to it such you know emotional weight behind it because of the implications of the following day and having ellie sort of tease Joel with that pre-forgiveness conversation just brought tears to Joel's eyes and realizing that, you know, if at any point, if Ellie can't forgive him, then perhaps the best outcome for Joel would be that Ellie could understand why he did it. But with that promise of forgiveness, Joel got much more, you know, than he would anticipate getting from Ellie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was such a powerful moment in that regard. And it's it's that one scene, which we are going to talk about the museum scene pretty soon. Uh, but it's that one scene from the game that will always linger with me for like the rest of my gaming days because it, it still stuck with me both the performances of of Troy and you know Troy Baker and uh, oh my God Alice Johnson I think her name is mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's just that was Ellen Page 
Oh god, yeah, you know what? Ellen Page. So it <laughs> it's Alice Chart today. So it is spoken. Yeah. Um but yeah, just just that one scene, uh it just recontextualizes everything and it kinda Ashley, Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson, there you go. Sorry, I had to look it up. No, that's fine. Correct, correct me by all means. Um but but yeah, um it, it just recontextualizes the the why Ellie decided to forego killing at you know, Abby. Um and it really just adds more dimension to what is Big picture wise, a very simple plot. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's again, like how I mentioned, it's very hard to spoil this game because it's not about any plot twist or big plot moments or revelations. It's very much just about a world gone to ape shit and you just have these wandering souls trying to find their purpose and trying to salvage whatever humanity they have left. And I can understand the temptation for some people to sort of like, you know, be like, yeah, yeah, we've seen this in so many, you know, post-apocalyptic media and within the past few years. But I think the, the way that Naughty Dog has approached it in such a character-driven way but also in just the it's like it's like the whole concept of the power fantasy and the hero archetype i think that era for storytelling is like gone i think this started a bit before let's say breaking bad but i think breaking bad in itself kind of just caused a lot of writers everywhere to just be like yeah we can make characters that are you know morally gray and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but I think to a certain extent we are hitting that end life cycle where it's like maybe we're kind of getting bored of great characters and like oh you know this this game story is very deep and whatnot but I feel like that type of criticism just doesn't have much credence to it uh, especially if you're just gonna use its own like trope against it uh, it, it just feels very haphazard mm-hmm. um, right and so um the next thing I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, so is there any other points you wanted to bring up in regards to the study, or not the study, God, um, the story, and um, I, I kind of will bring, bring up some of the highlights, my favorite parts of the game uh, that I really enjoyed thoroughly. And, yeah, sure. And kind of discuss. Go, go for it. Uh, yeah. yeah, so first playthrough didn't do anything crazy. Um, I did use... The I was going for most of the items I could find uh, by using the. Um, so initially, actually, funny story, and Stephen found this out while I was share playing with him on PlayStation. Um, <laughs> so I thought that I had used the access. So the game has like, accessibility features that allow you to use to to find items or to see different things um, based on you know either disability or just wanting to use it, right? Yeah. So there's a functionality Stephen was using where it pings. It'll have like a sonar ping of where these uh, these items are, and I he had mentioned it to me. So I was like, oh, one day, you know, when I first started the game, I was I went into the access accessibility settings and i found this setting i was like okay great yeah it'll turn everything all the items yellow and it'll make everything look like you know um green army heroes the game (laughs) 
and i was like okay this must be what he's talking about so essentially it turns the whole world gray turns the enemies red and turns the items yellow you can set it to where it just turns the items yellow and doesn't turn the enemies red but still it turns it into like block shaped and 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 ellie and every good character is blue um but what he was using was more a subtle uh thing but um it, the long story short is Steven joined my share play and he's like, dude, something's wrong with share play. Uh, you're I, all I'm seeing is like Ellie's blue. And I was like, no, this is the thing you taught me about. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah, this is the, this is the accessibility feature for, for viewing the uh, collectibles more quickly. And he was like, no, no, it's not. This is not that at all. It's like, what are you talking about? And then he showed you know, me the actual thing. Yeah. Do you know how much like tension is robbed if you use that in any of the oh. horrifying scenes? Like, it would just be like, I oh, know. I'm playing a completely separate game at this point. When I first got into the room with the Shamblers, and the, I didn't use it on the Rat King because by that point I had. Yeah. And I'll talk about the Rat King in a moment. That's another favorite part of mine. Um, but when I was first meeting the Shamblers, I had been using this method, and I was like, oh. Because I didn't want to like miss anything, so I was like, "Oh, okay," but like it made it way less. <laughs> I, I I said I didn't use it, but I actually did use it because I was like, "Fuck, I can't." It's so terrifying. But oh my god! But it doesn't make it as um as enjoyable. I will say for those parts, because then you come out, you're like, "Okay, it wasn't scary, but still fucking scary." A green, like a red blob running towards you, just going to explode and gaseous death it's pretty terrifying either way you cut it um but yeah um some of my other favorite parts definitely the improved gameplay the stealth mechanic that they brought to it with the crawling um i never really had that moment where i was using stealth too often with ellie unless it was like against the infected uh that's when the stealth really came into play because if you had too many runners or too many um, clickers coming after you, you're screwed. Usually, uh, I could fend with, fend myself off with, you know, silence pistol and the axe, but I never found myself crawling under like tankers to hide and then being dragged out from beneath. I never really found myself doing that too often. Yeah. Um, I did find myself sneaking around tankers and using things and they never really ran away from a fight it's two things they showed like you could do in um in the, in the initial trailers for the game and i was like ah i'm just gonna play it this, the way i played last of us one where i'm gonna sneak around build shit and kill people constantly moving constantly working um one of my favorite parts that really threw me off though was when you first meet the scars as ellie and I thought the first time you're going to meet the scars was in the TV station. Cause I snuck through that whole area. I was like, Oh God, there's going to be something around here. Absolutely no enemies <laughs> until you get to the fire. So I was like every little noise. I was like, oh. I thought something was going to pop up because I thought, cause the AI had taught me the way the AI works in this game. The AI is really fucking good in this game. It's really dude. good. Especially with the, like in the first game, when you first meet the um, stalkers, it's pretty terrifying. I think you meet them in the sewers area. And then when you meet the um, the scars in this game, they have a very similar technique where they won't make much noise at all. They Until will they not show up. Whistling. So they start whistling, which is pretty terrifying unto it's, itself. God damn. But so I, think, 
I think the whistling has its own, like, uh, like each whistle signifies something else, obviously. And I just find that pretty crazy that they went in depth with that. So if you can manage to isolate which whistle is which and what it signifies, you could actually conclusively tell yourself, oh, shit, this guy is alerting them that he found his friend dead right here. Or, mm-hmm. oh, shit, you're, he's going to tell his buddy that they they suspect someone's in the area. Like, the whole whistling mechanic is just fucking amazing yeah it's it's really i really enjoy it i hope they bring it to the battle royale that they're developing um <laughs> what battle royale yeah what that's non-existent um we'll talk about that in a little bit probably at the end of everything but i really enjoyed the whole stealth mechanic and how um how they implemented that and the scars just really good enemy types in this game the shamblers uh they're like bloater light they're about as dangerous as the bloaters were uh, actually the bloaters were pretty pretty sponge but the they're, they're a good addition i think the shamblers are a good addition to the game um, they provide a good sense of aoe for an enemy type that never had much presence outside of oh i'm gonna try and rush you and you know try and they're like the, the floods that explode in halo it's yeah, like when exactly. you see one of yeah. them, you know there's going to be a problem because there might be these yeah. you know, brutes or grunts or other things. But if this thing's going to rush you, it's like, oh, even if I kill it, there's going to be more enemies. Yeah, so because if one manages to like corner you into a room and then he's going to, you know, expunge his noxious gas on you, like it's just like you're going to take the damage regardless and it's going to narrow your options considerably. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, as an enemy, that sort of like. It hampers your ability to move around, and you need to consider that as a environmental hazard. I think it's pretty brilliant. And are they like, blind? They're blind, right? Like yeah, the clickers. Except for clickers, really aren't blind in this game, and I found that out the hard way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, these guys were very, um, very good additions to touch on the point I was just talking about. Um, so clickers in the last of us, which I played just prior to playing the last of us Two, um, the clickers in the first last of us game had a mechanic where you could not even step around them. So they were having very good hearing. Yeah. In this game, it went from, they have very good hearing where this game in the last of us two you can kind of sneak up right behind them even if you're moving slowly and just stab them in the back of the neck but in this game they have echolocation i'm fairly certain that wasn't a thing in the first game you couldn't stand in front of the one of the, you in the first game you could stand right in front of one of them and as long as you're not moving you're good to go this game i found out the hard way and they kind of touch on it when you first are introduced to clickers in this game but i was standing right in front of them and i was like okay i'm gonna stab it and then it started and then I heard the, like the, it's essentially the, I found you noise. <laughs> and it's, it's like, what enemy alerted? What? And it killed me instantaneously. I was like, what the hell? I wasn't moving. But then, of course, a tip flew up in front of me right after I died. It was like, oh, how about the more you know? Um, did you know, dipshit, that the uh, clickers use echolocation like bats? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, that's that's a new that's a new mechanic. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It's really cool how they implemented that. Um, yeah, definitely. It's just that for a sequel to make like these surface level improvements that 
might not mean as much like as a game feature to put on the outside of the game box it, it just adds to that sense of like man like they they are continuously thinking about everything in terms of level design encounter design like I was a bit worried that they mentioned in the pre-release hype to the game how the environments were larger and whatnot. And to and to a certain extent, when it comes to uh, scavenging and collecting, I did get the sense of, you know, uh, okay, I need to cover all my bases here. I need to look this way. I need to look that way. And it does cut the pace of the game a bit considerably more so than in the first game because the first game was more tighter and more linear Mm -hmm. and and this game it's still linear but you still have more open areas you have more verticality which i fucking loved um because it definitely felt like an open world without it being open world and it, it, it gave you that that freedom of movement to tackle encounters in a different way every single time if you wanted to and just to add to that you know how in the main menu you have the option to like replay chapters you can replay encounters Mm -hmm. and so these encounters sort of like pitch you in the beginning of like a certain combat arena of a chapter and you could pretty much play out the whole scene with all the enemies there and you could keep replaying it all you want just to sort of i never tried that out so i didn't realize what that was Yes, it's sort of like replaying a combat encounter. So you can kind of like experiment with like a different loadout or you just want to play fancy with like the movement and try and, you know, string together some really awesome kills. Like if you're John Wick, like it's just so fucking awesome. Of course, you're not John Wick in this game. Steven, you're clearly the bad guy from John Wick. Yeah. Not many dogs. Um. I have (laughs) joked that I, I have... I have joked that John Wick is gonna fucking show up in the third game and hunt you down. That 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 now that's the revenge tale. I'm yeah. For. So it's the third one. Bamaga. There you go. Um, il Kukui, uh, as some would say. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a solid game. Another thing I wanted to mention. Um, oh well, the other thing I have in front of me is the Rat King in my notes. The Rat King. Rat King. Yeah. Um, I had this is actually this is the one thing I did um almost get spoiled entirely for what it actually was. Um I I had been on Instagram after I had gone through and I started picking up of course as Facebook and Instagram does, picking up your voice and kind of listening to what you like or I would view like something Last of Us related. And I saw I, I didn't see a picture of it. So I didn't know what it looked like, but I did. The only thing I saw was the word. So it's as if a code name popped up in front of my face and it was the rat King. I was like, and they mentioned something about the basement of the hospital. So, and this is prior to me finishing Ellie's storyline. Yeah. So when I got to the hospital, I fell down there. I was like, Oh no, I'm going to find this rat King guy. It's going to be a huge, terrifying thing. And lo and behold, I go about, playing through that whole mission like terrified out of my mind still pretty scary but then i was like oh as soon as i take the pipe to what was her name the um lady you meet in the hospital is ellie um so many many characters in this game nora nora yep nora um i thought as soon as i take the about to take the pipe to nora the rat king's just gonna snatch her through the door and 
and then you're like oh shit and she gets dragged off into the screaming and you have to exit through that way because all the other doors are closed or whatever that would have been interesting um but that didn't happen so i was like okay where's this rat king then and then i get to the area where you you would you had preambled me to know like the the um the mission ground zero was gonna be a hell of a mission i was like okay it's pretty much the it's pretty much confirmed that that's when the infection first started so it started that's why it's called ground zero yeah it started at the basement of the hospital Mm -hmm. and so bada boom uh you have this big mass that is rumbling and is like oh that is going to be a problem and it is um probably one of the best boss fights i would say ever in the last of us well to be fair there are hardly yeah i guess the first bloated boss fight is something i mean they're more like vip enemy encounters of anything yeah but yeah in terms of an actual boss fight this felt closer to a boss fight than yeah. all the other encounters because it's something you've never encountered before and it's a mess of terror <laughs> arms legs teeth everywhere um it was the fulcrum but uh the long and the short of it was um the rat king was really really such a great uh, addition to this game it just made it that more terrifying um i think it was more terrifying that you didn't know what it looked like prior and during when you see what it looked like it is still terrifying but you kind of the surprise is taken away i think the most terrifying thing is when the little guy separates from the big guy and you have to kind of fight both of them and it's like oh shit when when that first happened when the stalker came out of him uh at first i was like oh my god i think he's gonna like take out more of them like as the fight culminates it's gonna be more and more and it's just guys. gonna be more and more and it will overwhelm you to the point where like you always have to keep running like in in circles it's around. like a hydra you cut off one head it gets two right right you cut and off I those heads like, it comes six it's like oh, shit. and i was so done with it at that point because i was like dude i have i hardly have any ammo so my mistake prior to the lead up to my first fight with the rat king was my ammo was pretty scarce at that point because i was pretty thorough with the hospital uh prior to that um and it's just fucking ammo scarcity and obviously depending on the difficulty it kind of scales how much ammo you receive so i was playing on normal so it was okay but if i were to play this on survivor or the newly added grounded i'm pretty sure it would be more of a hellscape than it already is yeah absolutely fucking just death screwed um yeah and uh permadeath mode of course which they added recently one other thing i did want to mention of course my personal one of my favorite parts um is the the music in the game the music in the game is absolutely great uh whether it be joel's initial um song which is escaping me but um it you know it's from pearl jam uh, it's is called it's a pearl um, jam i didn't yeah. know that neither did I. I, I i honestly thought it was like an original song that joel wrote how about that um, um yeah joel's song what is uh, god future days future days these future days yeah um really really a great song kind of 
pinpoints the relationship before uh, everything chaos everything in chaos goes and um then of course take on me uh, I, which mm-hmm. i think you can accidentally miss that and if you missed yes, it in the game can. yes uh, it's a damn shame because it's a really good it i teared up at that scene. yeah I, I i i genuinely teared up a bit because again minus i was born in the early 90s so i don't have any visible like authority to say that 80s nostalgia was a thing for me but it was the one thing that i was just provided as in terms of media as i grew up so and you could tell that you know the creators and the development team also had that nostalgia for the 80s uh with aha take on me um and the cgi trailer to the lead up of the uh, game release they did a cover of true faith by new order which i thought was really well done Um, i don't recall you probably haven't seen the trailer. Maybe not. Um, yeah. the, I'll show it to you after the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch it after the podcast. Uh, yeah, but seriously, like that's one of my favorite parts. Um, I never played around with a guitar trying to play other songs, as many people did. I wish they would have incorporated more songs into the game. Uh, oh, like through the valley. Oh yeah, through like through the valley, like allow you to play that song. Um, <laughs> They played it on the credit scene for Permadeath right. Mode, and then Future Days shows up at the grounded end credit scene when you complete it. That nice little Easter egg. It's still unclear what happens if you do both, though. Oh, at the same time, <laughs> they play both of them at the same time. <laughs> oh God! What if they do inter- interlaced like song? These future days, I walk through the valley. No, I don't know. No, no, no. I couldn't do that. That'd be no. interesting. Which one does it play? Is it possible? Do you, have you even checked out if it's possible to do both at the same time? I. It should be grounded in permadeath at the same time. Yeah, because permadeath should be like a supplementary uh, difficulty modifier. It, it's not the actual difficulty per se. Just put all the cheats on while you're on it. <laughs> like infinite ammo which they added which i, I might actually fuck around with eventually. infinite ammo permadeath yeah i mean we'll f- start, sure. start with explosive arrows with ellie's playthrough man i'll be the one terrorizing my enemies not the other way around but yeah i mean uh i think this game is a landmark um not just in terms of storytelling but gameplay wise it's it's the whole package that just what after what seems to be like seven years of game development you get something like this it's it's marvelous in every sense of the word um Mm -hmm. and again it's just you know the expectation of being sentimental about certain characters uh you know stories as you grow up and you consume media in general but like the last time I really felt a sense of all is not the right word, but a sense of like introspection about the morality of, I guess, humanity or whatever you want to call it, or consciousness. But like this game has really put this deep rooted sensation of just how flawed we are. And the last time I kind of felt that playing a game was near Automata. And then prior to that was Shadow of the Colossus because I feel like The Last of Us Part Two 
I don't think it took direct inspiration from Shadow of the Colossus, but the themes of just a game which I've never beaten, which is fine. I forgive you for that. By the way, it's okay. You should. Yeah, it's it's a game that's simple enough to tackle, and it, it doesn't take long to beat. But it's basically like that sort of like inverse hero archetype that fascinates me and will always continue to fascinate me um and yeah um part two is just once it ruminates longer in my head and i try and tackle every facet of what the game was trying to portray and what the creator's intent was uh it's gonna skyrocket its way up to my probably top three favorite games of all time like it will get there eventually um yeah Yeah, i think yeah i think it's definitely a game that will cement in 2020 um whether people liked it hated it loved it uh were disgusted by the fact that it didn't end the way they wanted it to the controversy alone it's gonna be known for a long time regardless of what you do i can't think of a game where people bitched more about the ending <laughs> mass effect Other, 3 baby except mass for, effect that 3. was gonna be my next statement except for mass effect 3 except mass effect 3 was a total and Which colossal was failure number one and fucking they changed the fucking ending yeah <laughs> they I gave mean, they gave another option they yeah it's just very in- inconsistent with how they attempted to make a deep ending in mass effect 3 and it just came out to be such shoddy bullshit but anyways that's for a different topic um but yeah i mean i actually wanted to ask you a few questions before we kind of speak into ghost of tsushima so first question is which playthrough did you enjoy more ellie's or abby's Mm. did i enjoy more yeah that's a very that's a very vague qualifier um that you would be more inclined to replay more than the other. Hmm. Which was more fun for you? Which one provided more of those wow moments? Which one felt, I don't know, whatever criteria you kind of want to throw out. I really enjoyed, and I'm going to qualify a few statements before I make my final choice. I really enjoyed the open Seattle part with Ellie. When you have Shimmer and you have... Um, the yeah the, the very semblance of an open world that and... that little that area was great i really enjoyed it um i'm glad they didn't continue to do it i think it would have gotten a bit too much of an open world game had they done it more of that i and it would have been impossible to like play it but i did enjoy that whole you know if you complete everything in that area you feel accomplished right like you yeah. didn't i don't think you said you went into the the dog shop which i had to find the key across it was across the way to different wolf outposts and you go to this wolf outpost and you um and you find what you need and then you find this key and then you get i think you get the the pistol holster the second pistol holster or maybe the rifle holster uh, so it allows you to have two guns rather than one once yeah. you get out of there really cool um area so i really enjoyed that um and i oh overall i think i enjoyed ellie's story more 
just okay, be- so yeah, just because um, if I'm thinking about all the encounters that you go through, whether it's the first bloater fight, which is in a flashback, or the second bloater fight, which is in a wait, you fight the bloater, you fight the bloater in the arcade as Ellie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I enjoyed that more. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy Abby's story. Uh, no, yeah, it's just a simple, which one did you prefer over the other? Yeah, because then you realize, like, you know, it's very tragic as you're watching Abby's story, because Abby's story is entirely a tragedy from start to finish, where Ellie's story isn't necessarily a tragedy from start to finish, because yeah. you haven't already killed Owen. <laughs> when, right. When um, you're playing Abby's story, you know he dies, and you know exactly how he dies. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that whole theme of duality just, it just, they hammer it home a lot. And if I do have one grievance with the game, I feel like they do it too often. And that poet, you know, it's like poetry, it rhymes George Lucas kind of way, where it's like, okay, on one side, you have Ellie and her tribe, and you know who's pregnant. Uh, Jesse, you know, the the boyfriend of, you know, the pregnant lady. And then you have Abigail. He uh, has similar hair to Hayden Christensen. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's not go there. But, yeah, but... Same. It's coarse. It's, it's um, coarse. Very coarse. But, yeah, very then coarse you have, but then you have Abigail. Obviously, Ellie, the surrogate dad, you know, with Joe. And then Abby and her real dad. And then you have Meg, the pregnant lady, and then, you know, Owen, the boyfriend that causes the friction between the main characters and the love interests. It it felt too, like, okay, Naughty Dog, I kind of get it. Like, you're trying to split them in half in a way that you kind of want to... Here's comparison B. <laughs> Here's comparison B character. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they it's just i wish that the whole concept behind abby was just a little bit different enough to where it's it's just more refreshing to see a different take like you know but again it's just a minor thing i had with the game in that regard um but um for me though uh, if i were to answer the main question uh regarding ellie or abigail's playthrough i liked Ellie's weapons a lot more because I felt like you had more agency for stealth, obviously, mm-hmm. because you're not as strong as Abigail. Abigail is more talented as like a brawler type. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could go up front and punch people, you know, because she's very muscular. And I always thought that was a badass trailer first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, mean? I definitely actually enjoyed the comparison from the, the silent, more, as you're saying, the more silent. Um, gameplay of LA to the more loud gameplay. I really enjoyed the explosive bolts. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love between both playthroughs. But ultimately, though, if I had to choose one over the other, I would have to go with Abby because I feel like there's much more intriguing moments that happen, especially as you climb the skyscraper and she has to face her fear of heights, which I also have. And so it was just like really tense as she tries to cross the sky bridge with Lev and Lev is coaching her. Like, I thought that was a very great moment of character development between those characters. Um, Because like you first, your initial impression of Abby, if you were to meet in real life is this larger than life. What the fuck? (laughs) Exactly. Like she fucking killed Joe 
um, and like she could hold her own against anyone almost and having her face this fear of heights is it just humanizes her in a way that I guess one could say is a bit cheap in a way with the emotional tactics that the game does use quite often but again I feel like if you're going to argue against that point you need to bring up more than just the frequency of it and whether or not it's a valuable tool in storytelling and I feel like a lot of the criticism towards Abby it's just really half-hearted and done in a very inconspicuous kind of way um, but besides that, uh, I think just Abby's playthrough was more interesting because you kind of just had more verticality to go through the low, the locations when you're trying to fend off Tommy as he's sniping you like that whole scene was just mm. fucking awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was such an awesome scene. Cause um, you know who that is and you know why yeah, he's there and exactly. he immediately kills Manny cause he outsmarted you sucker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That foul mouth of, of Manny, goddamn. But yeah, I would, I definitely would have to, you know, throw my hat in the ring for Abby's playthrough as being more enjoyable. But you know, in, in terms of like weapons, Ellie definitely takes it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my next question to you would be, um, if you had to. Uh, so the way that the ending plays out, and this has been talked about quite a bit from mm-hmm. other podcasts and commentary about the game, would the game be better for it if the developers gave you the choice on whether to kill Abigail or not? What's your take on that? I don't think they should have given us a choice, personally. Okay. okay. I feel like choice... This will tie this into is, what yes, we're going to talk about will, with ghosts later. Exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. Um, I feel like choice is good, but I want to see the difference between this game and Ghost of Tsushima, and the choice at the end of Ghosts of Tsushima isn't the theme of the game because you're kind of fighting with choice in how you even every encounter. It's is it going to be honorable or dishonorable, and that's all the way to the end. Um, this game, they're telling a story, and it's never really been about your, your choice, choice as a player, right? It's never really been about your choice. You didn't have a choice to oh, if you get down the stairs quicker, can you save Joel? No, that's not how this game works. Um, if it or you know if you do if you enter the door from a different area or if you do something it's never been about doing things a little bit differently and seeing different outcomes unlike kind of what goes to Tsushima goes for so I want to I think they should give us an ending and I think the ending they gave us while complex to some people sizzle burn burn yeah um I just yeah. Well, complex to some people, it it definitely fits with the theme. They are telling a story. Whether you not you like the story is your own opinion. Great, have your opinion. That's perfect. Um, but I'm not looking for them to give me a choice in this matter. Okay. Because you know, in my hypothetical like scenario where if they did add the choice, just the they they have the perfect setup too, where you're walking down the beach. 
with a heavily injured Ellie and also Abigail with Lev. And then you see the two boats that are anchored on the shoreline. And it's just like, oh my God. Like there was a moment, a very brief moment where I was like, oh man, am I going to have to, as Ellie choose to go after Abigail and kill her while she tends to Lev and complete the revenge plot? Or can I just go take the boat and just go off into the misty abyss? Like, like, yes, I I actually agree with you in, in that regard, because at the end of the day, this is Ellie's story and there will be a part three. Um, and at at the end of the day, it's always going to be about Ellie's agency over the player. And I think that's where much of the disappointment comes from those who wanted to extract revenge. Like, Also, I think if you give the player a choice, it actually instead of allows the allows more story to be told actually allows less story to be told because then it falls onto the next game to be like okay we're gonna keep their choices or are we not gonna keep their choices i mean the easy fix to that i mean the easy fix to that would be okay if you kill abby then she just doesn't show up in the third game she's not part of the third game uh, if you let her live, you can still make the choice on the third game that, oh, well, she's still not going to show up. So it's like the only difference would be could they recontextualize whether you kill or spared her into the, into the third game right. and the actions that Ellie takes in, in that plot line. So, again, it's, it's just like it's just a, 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 a fun thing to think about when it comes to video games as a storytelling medium, because mm-hmm. we often see this criticism and I know a lot of people that have made this criticism against Naughty Dog games in particular about how they're very linear cinematic set pieces where, yeah, you're kind of roaming these arenas and you're, you know, doing all these cool action movements and shooting baddies and surviving and whatnot. These uh, very cinematic moments where you're climbing stuff and the buildings fall and you platform over the other and you follow this very linear script of action and moments to the point where some might say well it could just be a movie at this point like the utilization of our choices when it comes to combat within the confines of the video game doesn't extend beyond the sort of meta narrative it's trying to tell and so you often see people say stuff like, well, you know, it's the walking simulator. I'm, you're just going from point A to point B. And really, you know, it's it could just be its own movie. Like, you get this same criticism with, like, Kojima in, in, in some regards, where he's very cinematic heavy. He kind of directs the cutscenes himself, the way he edits them. And you have these protracted long scenes of, like, 30, 40 minutes of just characters talking. And I feel like that criticism has some weight, but I feel like it's a crux to what should be a more healthier discourse when we come to criticism as a whole for this medium that's still evolving. And I feel like it's okay for games to take elements of movies or TV shows. I mean, you know, there's graphic novel type games out there like, Disco Elysium and Dangarapa that, you know, uses mostly the written word. Like, it's okay for games to take 
parts of other mediums and incorporate it into mm-hmm. the cohesive, like the cohesive unit that it, it it wants to be. But I, you know, just in, in that regard, it just seems like a lot of people just like to hold that as a criticism against the game. Oh, it should just be a movie. Like, nah. They are making a, a HBO TV show, and I, I hope that doesn't really do much. Yeah, I, to its legacy as as a as an intellectual I'm very property. About that show. Yeah, but the bright note is that it's going to to be led by the uh, head writer of uh, what's that show called? I don't know. Chernobyl. 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 I never finished that show. Oh, it's so good, dude. I got to the part where the bird dies in like the second oh, episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. You um, have to finish that. That's, it's, it's not that long. It's only like six episodes. But it's Think just, about it. I got a lot uh, of shit. I just started Dexter, so that's a whole nother beast. No, wait, wait, wait. How far are you in Dexter? Uh, episode two. <laughs> of season one? Yeah. Please take my advice and stop at the end of season four. Okay. <laughs> please take my advice. Please, please. We're taking a side road right now into TV land, but yes, no, I'll, no, I'll please, stop at please. season four. <laughs> at the end of season four, as soon as that last scene ends, do not start season five. Okay. okay. You will thank me later. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Now, so back, back to, yeah. Did you have any other questions for me? Uh, I did have one more. Um, what was I gonna ask? Shit. Um, oh yeah, but it's a, it, it's a very bare bones question. But you prefer the first Last of Us or the second Last of Us mm. at this point in time? Well, if we're talking multiplayer, I mean. <laughs> oh, you you want to talk multiplayer? Oh God, dude. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, oh, okay. Do I prefer the first Last of Us or the second Last of Us? I've played the first Last of Us twice. I played the first, or sorry, yeah, and the second Last of Us once. Um, at this current moment, I think I prefer the second Last of Us. Ah, okay. Uh, it's your opinion has shifted a bit. Well, I mean. Um, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's very hard uh, to compare because, and ironically, uh, they're very different uh, games, and they're very sure. But I mean, I like making these comparisons because, you know, obviously the nostalgia when it comes to the original is very strong, and people will still have some. Yeah, I definitely like the. I definitely like the second Last of Us better because of everything we just talked about. Um, you know, you don't have the deep. You know alone times where you're playing just playing the guitar or doing these other side things and as the here's a good example Mm -hmm. you can translate the first game to a movie pretty easily fairly easily if you do it right you can't Mm -hmm. really translate the second game to a movie very very easily how so I feel like there's little side moments that that are it's that make the game too grand to, to cohesively put into two hours. You, and you can't get the little nuances. Yeah, like, it's really hard to con- to condense part two in a way because all the little moments add up to the, the entire whole right, of, entire thing. 
like of the narrative whether like, it be even the moment with the rat king like yeah you can get that moment where it's terrifying rat king right or it's like but you can't get the nuance of okay well i'm checking all these doors oh it doesn't open well i know there's two clickers behind there oh that mm-hmm. door doesn't open ah oh, shit oh well i have to go get the generator okay um you know okay i climbed over this thing turn the generator on great and then the absolute terror of you going around the corner and that whole ambulance being open and there's nothing there but a hole and that's like oh it's something that you can't necessarily get in a um you could do it in a movie but you couldn't get every little nuance like that you couldn't get the nuance of necessarily i don't know what's what's another thing um having a hard time thinking but you you can't get the real impact of playing as uh abby when ellie's planting all these traps and you're having to essentially fight her and that my friend is why video games as a medium is very effective because you can Uh, you can't have the comp you can't have the necessarily same point of view as Abby. You'll have a, an arena where it's like, oh, these two people were back to back, kind of like um, right. face now, off. Now. It's like, um, what's that movie with Uwa? Uh, and um, you talking to me? What's this? <laughs> Robert De Niro and um, Taxi Driver? No, that's the movie where it says you talking to me, but it's Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and it's heat it's heat. that, it's that final moment in heat you get the you can get the juxtaposition of these two characters being against each other in their right. final duel but you can't necessarily hone in on this person's perspective you can hone in on both but it's very hard to hone in on one like a game where you're honing in on one and yes you have conflicted feelings but you're still playing as abby and you're like fuck right. i don't want to fail right because mm-hmm. i'm playing as abby if you watched it from an outside perspective, for example, Dina, she was just watching this happen. You're like, fuck, I definitely don't want Abby to kill Ellie because you have more experience with Abby, uh, with Ellie. You, but since you're playing as Abby, it forces you into that perspective of, okay, well, now I have to fight myself, essentially. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> Which it, is the, it was the fucking metaphor for the game. You're fighting it, yourself. Yeah, you're fighting yourself. Opinions. Yeah, that's that's... That's almost perfect right there. Uh, and the way that Naughty Dog deals with perspective. And Neil Druckmann himself said that Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty was a clear inspiration for the switch to Abby. Because in Metal Gear Solid 2, you first play a snake in the tanker mission or in the underwater base or whatever it was called. And then you switch Raiden. to Raiden. And it's like, whoa, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting this. What kind of horseshit is this? And, you know, it's like, Kojima, I wouldn't say Kojima pioneered that in any shape, way, or form. Like the the shift in perspectives and something that could be tied to a creator, but he put it into the mainstream, and it's still quite fascinating how a lot of like mainstream games haven't tackled that. Certainly, frequently. fucking pioneered the goddamn coronavirus uh, <laughs> with the delivery simulator. Everyone inside their house. There's terrible things outside, and then the fate of democracy, you know, in the hands of delivery men everywhere. Bridges, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, But uh, building bridges. Yeah, 
I think that uh, that's a good note to um, end on for the Last of Us discussion of how essentially it's a game about fighting yourself and you come out one end something different. Yeah, it's just a game. Oh god, I, I still think about it at times and. Nier Automata has a new challenger to the game of the generation throne in my eyes. By the way, is, never played Nier, yeah. never played Sons of Liberty, so these references are slightly going over my head. I know, but for those who but, but those who are listening and those who appreciate, you know, the good games out there, they they will understand. Yes. Uh, yeah. I appreciate such the a, games. Such a fascinating <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm just teasing you, all right? Shit. <clears throat> sure. Uh, um, right. So, uh, yeah. Let's not right. forget that we still made the right call when it came to putting Tetris Effect over Red Dead 2, all right? There's still no more bad feelings about that? I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right, that was The Last of Us Part 2. Um, oh, one more thing before we do what? our transition. What are your expectations for the inevitable factions multiplayer? Oh, good point. Thank you for bringing this up. I'm excited based on the leaked footage. Um, yeah, it was like 12 it, seconds, but oh my God, it was 12 seconds. Oh, yeah. Man, it was a hot 12 seconds. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think if they do it right, it'll... And this is a very vague statement, but I think this is a, I'm good with the broad strokes, as Bill Burr would say. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think if they can do it right, it'll turn out great. I don't think it's going to be like um, uh, well, factions for from the first game. You can't recreate that. I think based on what I see here, it's going to be something more like more like factions, but it's going to be you know with the updated gameplay, you know more stealth or more um if they they do the battlefield if they do the battle royale mode i think you brought up a great point which would be awesome like just have these little things you craft uh, like improvements for your gun in the middle of the battlefield and you have to do it quickly and oh my god make it as grounded as possible just the in-game mechanics in the universe just melts very well with the battle royale genre um Obviously, when it comes to the type of scale that Naughty Dog does its multiplayer games, I don't know if they want to tackle Battle Royale. I would be intrigued to see something at least that could scale up to like 40 players, I think would be a good compromise. Because with 40 don't players... Do 100. No, 100 feels way too much chaos for, for a game and a, a gameplay style that really tailors more for crafting, scouting ahead, being stealthy, and just being crafty with basically how you tackle each encounter. Because The Last of Us Part 1 had one of my favorite multiplayer modes ever. Um, It it was very underrated uh, when it came out. I, I still think it's underrated now. There's still a hardcore legion of fans that still play it to this day. And obviously- I didn't catch that. What's that? What was the game you were talking about? The original factions for the first oh, Last yeah. of Us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The metagame. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... It's just... Uh, it, it's still going. Um, I know recently they deactivated the PlayStation 3 servers because they wanted to maintain and upkeep the PS4 remastered. Uh, and I, I guess they're 
prepping for the last of us part two factions pretty soon makes sense yeah so um my expectations for factions is again something the way that movement is incorporated in part two in the story and how fluid your actions are within the environment uh, how fast you move how quickly you can like you know duck and like you know like maneuver your way around objects and climbing over things like it's such a far cry from the original game where it it felt like you were more stilted and less you know flexible and i feel like just that small change in movement will make a big impact into how this version of factions will play completely different and hopefully more intense as a result. Uh, mm-hmm. So hopefully that's the case because I'm really hoping for that game mode to be my de facto multiplayer experience for the next generation. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely going to be something to look forward to. Um, Moving along into different, uh, our second topic this evening, um, or whatever you're listening to this, hopefully it's the evening. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, my mind is Sucker Punch. Yep. I actually first played a Sucker Punch game back when it was like Cooper. Uh, it's like Cooper. I, I never finished then. Yeah. I, I beat I'm the first game. I beat the first game and I beat oh. the the third game, but I never beat the second game. Um because the second game I, I I would find myself numerous times when you had to do these stealth missions in Sly Cooper where you had to follow a certain character, kind of like you do in this game. Um where you have to traverse and, and not be seen, except for in Sly Cooper. Um, how do I put this? It was dog shit to do those missions because you would have to like follow an almost specific path. With and in Sly Cooper, they had numerous like guards that would be along the path in comparison to Ghost of Tsushima, where they didn't really have that. Like there wasn't like twenty thousand guards you had to go and walk past and not be seen by and all that. I mean, the whole nature of Sly Cooper is a stealth game. Um, that's not necessarily the case with Ghost of Tsushima. Whether you, I know you can play that way, but you don't have to. You can play more honorable path. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of. So that was my initial step into Sucker Punch, and then of course, infamous Second Son and the infamous. Um, I never played the original Infamous or the second one, but I did play Second Son. I enjoyed that quite a bit. A lot of people point to Infamous 2 uh, prior to the release of Ghosts as the pinnacle of their uh, game releases, both in terms of like story and gameplay. Um, and I've only played like the beginning portion of the first game i never touched the second infamous second son i I actually got the platinum for it because it was one of the few ps4 games that was you know visibly out at the time oh yeah it was like that and res or resident infamous killzone shadowfall though we never played that one um and then uh infamous second son just sort of carried that weight of the first year of the PlayStation 4 and I still had a fun time just playing through it. The The story I completely forgot and m- some of the characters didn't really do much but again in terms of a narrative experience, Sucker Punch wasn't really known for that. Um, that wasn't their pedigree. Their pedigree was always fun, gameplay 
that gave you unique ways to tackle objectives mm-hmm. or different play styles, which I really loved about Infamous and the way you had different powers and how different each one was you were able to use it's very similar to the way that the recent spider-man came out and you had different abilities very much in that same vein who Um, developed spider-man again was it insomniac insomniac that's right people who made ratchet and clank ratchet and clank like they were not known for their storylines either they were known for the platformer the fun gameplay but now it's like oh my god the spider-man game was fucking amazing um very heart-wrenching when spoilers for that game aunt may dies at the end it's like oh god you killed marvel's grandma like um very sad ending there specifically for that part so it's like you know with this game it's kind of a mirror image they kind of presented this ghost of tsushima game people didn't expect anything you know crazy storyline out of it and you it's a fucking epic i think it's one of my favorite stories i've i've played in a long time i like this story more than i like the last of us yeah <laughs> whoa holy moly I, I did not expect that take but i go mean on. more than i like the initial like of course, it depends on, on how am, it depends I on am, how they grow this story. But okay, I am intrigued. I I, I want to see what you have to say as a solo game. Okay, not necessarily looking at Last of Us Two or Last of Us, but as a solo game, it's so goddamn good. I I have three platinums. I don't platinum games easily, right? I'm not someone who goes after every trophy unless I really like a game. Mm-hmm. And I really like this game. I felt like it was I was duty bound to get the platinum because of how good the goddamn game was. I I played it and whether it's the music which is just so good and how they implement it in in the in and the, the opening uh scrawl where the they title yeah or if yeah when you're riding the horse across the prairie yeah or whether it's like the the just tragic moments in the game fucking brutal tragic moments in the game um that and there's a, a good few of them that just the the strings are hitting right when you're it gives me the same feeling that you get and this is kind of uh may not be Go the ahead. best example but it's fine we're going to make odd comparisons the pirate fight at the end of Uncharted, Uncharted that uh, is the probably one of my favorite. That is one of the most cinematically pleasing moments of that game that I just loved out of the whole series. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so badass!" Because you're trying to save your brother, and most moments of the main storyline and some of the side storylines even of Ghost of Tsushima gave me that feeling. And yes, of course, you're using a sword throughout the whole Ghost of Tsushima, so maybe it's a sword thing. But um, there's something more personal about using the sword versus using a gun. And it's not like, oh, gun's short and quick and you kill the person. Sure, but I don't know. There's something more to it. It Like, you can't even describe it as with Kratos' Kratos's weapons. Like, yeah, he has an axe. I don't feel the same way about his axe and 
Jin's like samurai katana. Sword, katana. Mm-hmm. Like, there's oh, something man. so good I, about the the gameplay. I can't I'm parrying this right now. <laughs> and the parrying, it was such oh an amazing God. game. Probably my wow. game of the year. Probably wow. my game of the year. No way. I- by far um, um i'm in disbelief right now no whoa why what do you what's so no, surprising no because like you you just one of the most iconic weapons in video games and you just pretty much said nah that doesn't feel that good i want jin sakai's katana <laughs> like holy shit you're gonna get some flack oh my god i'm not I saying you ca- the blades of chaos or i said the axe <laughs> I said the well, axe from the new game. Well, that's true, but still, like uh, the it's axe still, still, still has power. Maybe I, maybe if I went back and played God of War, and yes, no, it is probably because yeah. it's super fresh in my mind because I beat it last weekend. I um, still think the axe is an, is an iconic weapon. It doesn't yeah, compare sure. to like the blades. It's like but, Thor's like, hammer. It's like for yeah, Marvel exactly. weapons, that's the go-to. Because exactly. like the expectation is, it just feels good to have the axe return to you every time you throw it. Like. Uh, but just ha- having it being compared to like, oh, well, you prefer the katana way more. It's like, wow. There's something oddly simplistic yeah, and is. very powerful about how you use that katana. Like, And I think it has to do with the, if it wasn't for the stances, the different stances. Mm-hmm. And certain games have stances. Neo has stances that you do. Neo, I think, is like... One of the more prominent games that kind of Sekiro, made no, it Sekiro doesn't have stances. No, right? Se- no, Sekiro doesn't have stances. But Neo, um, Neo was the first one I saw where it's like different stances based on how you want to. Yeah, exactly. Attack, right, and, and you can play low Neo and fast. Really, or, yeah, yeah. Neo does it, it really basically well. low stance where you have quicker attacks, but they're weaker and they're mm-hmm. shorter range, medium, which is a balance. And then you had high stances, which had more range and dealt more damage, but you were slower. Yeah, and. I think, yeah, just overall the stances made it that you, you were kind of yeah. It it was a pretty simple rock paper and scissors uh, mentality against fighting enemies that were weak against these specific stance. So you had to like you know switch between stances based on what enemy type you were fighting, and you could easily take them out you know with ease right whereas if you were to use the incorrect stance they could easily shrug it off and you could you know get fucking annihilated in in an instant which is what i also liked about this game like it felt the game is not punishing let's get that straight it's not a from software game it's not a it's not a it's not necessarily a hard game whatsoever i died very few times playing it on normal um but yeah yeah, but just uh, the combat of Ghost of Tsushima just has that ideal balance of uh, difficulty, especially when you're doing the duels against the different uh, challengers across the yeah. island. Whether um, it be from a side side mission or the people you find in the second island, um, or whether it be like the many duels you do with these main storylines. It's just so good. Like, or the on um, the Ko- Kojiro, 
the seven swords of Kojiro. That was the yeah. whole thing you lead up to by fighting those people, which I didn't even find out. I was just doing these duels. I was like, these guys are just random straw hats <laughs> yeah. going off killing. And I got up like I and think three out of adventure. five. And then I found uh-huh. that I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, There's the thief's enclave that you find. Yeah. And then that's where it starts it off. Yeah. To, for, to kind of portray this for, for people who haven't ever touched this game so they might actually look it out this game takes notes from did you like batman the batman arkham series great because you know that flow combat they kind of take notes from that here where Mm -hmm. you know you can be um for example let's say you have two spearmen a shield guy um a shield mongol with a sword then you have a guy with two swords and then you have this big brute right you have to fight these guys all different ways otherwise you're gonna get ass kicked well you go and attack the shield guy you get him down but then you have the spearman charging you or you have the the um you know the brute charging you you hold down the right uh trigger and it kind of slows down time for a brief moment and you get to switch stances and you can go boom swing back it's kind of like how you would get a um signal over the head of some enemy that they were going to about to attack you it gives you a second to boom flow attack them it it's such good goddamn good combat i think i think it's one of the best combat systems and it's it's it can't compare it to like most other combat systems but i think it's one of the best combat experiences i've seen because it's just so epic how you can like take all these people out now of course there's other weapons you can use other than your katana but of course, that's the "quote unquote" less honorable way to do it, right? You, if you, there would be times where I'm getting overwhelmed by several, like there might be ten people surrounding, me like shit. I alerted the whole thing. Okay, time to take out the kunais, which are essentially throwing knives, um, and you know, just <laughs> take the threats out immediately, and then move along. It's things like that that make the game, you know completely customizable to how you want to play it to some degree and it makes it really enjoyable to play um kind of bouncing back to i mean and that's that's just one part of the game like the gameplay um whether it's you confronting your enemies in a sneaky way which you have total choice over you'll see an outpost you're like oh i could take them out sneakily or you can walk up straight to the gates and do a standoff and you know uh, depending on what you do over the course of the game, it will actually change the weather of how what the what the weather's like in the game for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, as you as you mentioned, Stephen, you said you play it more honorably. You're going to have more peaceful weather, less thunderstorms, less lightning. But if you're saying "fuck it," I want to go dark mode on these people. You can. Um, you can sneak around and you can even have different armor sets for these kinds of things. You want to be more honorable, wear a samurai garb. You can still sneak around in the samurai garb for sure, but um, you, you do get certain benefits from being in certain outfits. For example, I think the Sakai gear allows you to do a standoff and kill more people in that standoff if you're successful. Um, which sometimes I was not. And of course, then I just say fuck it and kill them all. You know, with ghost, ghost weapons, weapons, but um, <laughs> there would be times where I would do the standoff and, you know, I can kill five guys at once. Or you could play as a Ronin, which you do get an outfit for that a little bit later on in the game. Um, that's really good. I, th- I forget the, it's a mythic quest um, 
Or yeah, it's, it's a mythic quest where you fight against the the Ronins across mm -hmm. the the island in the duels, and then you is it the Kojiro? It's the Seven yeah. Swords of Kojiro. Yeah, yeah, it's the Seven yeah. Swords of Kojiro. So you get a, yeah, a mythic, um, mythic uh, mission, but it's um, you get this really cool outfit, and it makes you kind of look like uh, Ryuzo, his first outfit. You kind of have right. the the, yeah. the hay, the thatch back kind of outfit, and you get this big hat. Straw hat. Yes, it's very much his kind of outfit, but it allows you to be more sneaky. Um, and then, of course, you get the ghost outfit at, through as you go through the story as well, which is really good for stealth. And you get to terrorize people. So there's this whole functionality where, if you as you grow your legend, you actually unlock these skills that will actually make the enemy run away from you because you're killing all of their friends, which is actually kind of cool. And I enjoy it. They're like, shit, run away. And I never let them get away. It's always an arrow to the back for those cowards. Um, but there's just so much to say about this game uh so we need to kind of make it more structured um it's all good man i'm I just mean, kind of I'm riffing just, but no no it's fine it's 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 good to see you this some points, about the game some points i want to mention about the game and okay. so much um the 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 whole even from the little detail of you choosing your horse at the beginning of the game and i chose the you know digital download horse because we got that and i was like great oh i get to name my horse great oh that's cool i named him kage what did you name your horse uh it was the same name as well shadow actually. yeah yeah so we essentially had shadow mirror um and so i was like great um i'm curious to say what you well uh yeah we're doing a spoiler cast but um essentially you know at some point the game let's just start from the beginning like the game starts off you know kind of slow i mean not slow but it starts off at a good point where it kind of takes you down a road of okay this is you know it's the mongol invasion and coat and con at the very beginning it's almost as if it was very very much like um as I made a comparison earlier, he's very much a Thanos type character, even from his beginning stages, where it's like, you know, how about you surrender? No? Okay. Well, then I'm going to kill every single one of you. As, you know, it's not, it's, it's, I'm not saying like, oh, Thanos did it first and the Mongols did it second. Obviously not. But the way they portrayed him. And oh, within the realm of culture, like right. the more recent comparisons that can be made right. yeah and um and so like there's this one honorable samurai that goes into the beach i don't know if he was if i went back and i'd figure out who that like if he was related to lady masako or not um but essentially cotton conscious like oh he takes a drink i think i don't know what he has but he takes a drink out of this his jug and he tosses this drink on this guy and he's like what the fuck i want to fight you honorably let's fight and then he just tosses a flame on him burns him alive in his outfit <laughs> just like fuck what what a what a way to start the he just year. makes a mockery of the samurai's honor which i thought like, was really cool you have honor that is good of you i win bitch <laughs> there's a there was a meme that said as he went up to um uh, Lord Shimura, he's like, and I fucked your mama. <laughs> oh my god! I remember seeing that on um, on Reddit. But like from the very beginning, it's like he captures your uncle, 
who's essentially your father figure, which I didn't really... I mean, I guess, yeah, I saw him as a father figure. I didn't really attach myself. We're talking about the uncle? Yes. Yeah, the, the uncle's supposed to be, like, your father figure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't see it that much. Um, really? I didn't attach myself too much to that character. Wow. Interesting. I, I just didn't. Um, I actually attached myself more to the, the side characters as the family rather than Lord Shimura as the family. That makes sense because you, you, you do spend more time with them in game and really the only context you have with the uncle is the uh, the scenes in the past that you, re- that you relive. Yeah, the scenes in the past or, you know, a few things there. But, um, yeah, I... I've, I feel like the thing that detaches me from the uncle is the whole fact that he um, he doesn't he is very and it's very you know makes sense for the times he's very standard in his honor he has his honor he's not it's unbent it's unbreakable his right he, he and, and that has merit as well though because yes. again like within the the context of the theme of that the game tries to portray of you know, foregoing the 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 path of honor as a samurai, or creating a, a new sense of lawlessness as a ghost slash shinobi slash ninja. Like you have to make the hard choices if you want to fight against an enemy that doesn't follow any of those rules, and that's precisely the moral dilemma that the game tries to play out. I feel like the certain there are certain scenes that play out in the narrative where Jin is very much very stoic, you know, very moral, and tries to stick to the samurai code. And there are other scenes that play out where he's obviously fed up with it, but then, like, it kind of, like, jumps back and forth. It's very uneven at times. And I do kind of wish that the sort of gameplay that you decide to partake in. Obviously, at the end of the day, you always have the option to play honorably or dishonorably, but the game doesn't uh, provide incentive to do one or the other, besides the super flowers, things like the weather changing and what type of, uh, like, like there's some cosmetic items that might be tied to it, but I don't think that's the case. Um, but like, I kind of wish that, oh. for the most part, there were more, like, gameplay incentives. This is kind of like the issue I had with Red Dead 2, where they had the morality meter. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, okay, if you played more of an outlaw, then you got these perks. If you played more honorably, you got these perks. But one always outweighed the other. And in this game, this didn't really have that. And in a way, that's kind of good. But I kind of wish that if Sucker Punch was being very ambitious, they kind of shoehorned you to picking one path only. So mm-hmm. if you so wanted you want to, to play, play more, more honorably, hardly. you had to stick to the samurai skill tree, and they could have extended that further with 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 like other smaller trees attached to as the main you Decided to go right. more down that route, and then if you decide to play as Batman, then you could go as the ghost. <laughs> decide and, to know. play as Batman. It's <laughs> exactly. very much a Batman game. It's it's, exactly. it's Batman Begins, it's, you know, but it only is. with samurai sword. Exactly, and I I kind of felt this disconnect at times with the narrative and his actions as Jin, um, that you kind of ebb and flow between them. And then when you do come to the conclusion and decide to make that choice, 
you really had to cement yourself like what type of character you wanted Jin to become. But ultimately, though, Sucker Punch already made the decision for you in the sense that you are still going to be dishonorable uh, or, or like have that legacy of, of, you know, being forsaken, right? Being exiled by the Shogun uh, mm-hmm. in mainland Japan. So it's like... At the end of the day, you're still forsaken. So why why not just be the ghost then? Why not tie strictly into the gameplay of that and just hammer that home, uh, or have like a different sort of like diverging story path, like after the climax, and then have it play out in a different way if you want to play more honorably, where the ending would change. But obviously, this goes back to the idea of like, well. You want to provide players with agency so that you can kind of maximize the effectiveness of of a video game. But at the same time, you still have the intent of the creators and what story they want to tell because they have maybe a sequel in mind and you want it to be as seamless as possible. So I feel like Ghost does a good job at giving you options. It just doesn't contextualize the options enough in-game to provide that sense of, yeah, like, okay, I'm seeing distinct uh, changes in my gameplay or in the way that the world reacts to me to the point where it kind of furthers that power fantasy that you want to pursue. Mm-hmm. That's that's my biggest complaint about this game. But even then, I, I still have a lot more to gush about the game in regards to... My biggest complaint things. about the game is the camera. <laughs> The camera, damn! That fucking thing killed me more times than the in the Mongols. The camera (laughs) fucked with me in the beginning, but I got so used to it that it's part of the fight. It it just, yeah, it's part of the fight, and I just got so used to it that it didn't become a problem. And trust me, I'm a pretty hefty critic when it comes to like camera. I mean, it's it's a bigger camera. It's a bigger camera issue if there's trees in the way or like bushes and shit. It's not an issue if you're in the open field, but it's like that one branch and i'm like i can't see the enemy um it becomes a real big problem one thing i wanted to mention kind of jumping back to the uncle thing i was looking for the quote that i was like what the fuck is the quote and it's at the end and it's i'm not sure if you get it oh it's when you're arguing with him like i'm not gonna fight you i can't remember if it happens based on which ending you pick or not but um he says you have no honor and Jin replies and you are a slave to it it's such yeah. a fucking powerful oh quote. my God. and it's like perfect it's like he has yeah i may not have honor. Exactly. i may not have honor, but you're absolutely enslaved by it you exactly. can't see past it regardless right. of what you do and it's that's just, why, to me, it, it feels kind of weird. Like if if you were to go full on samurai honorable, because then the narrative yeah, makes sense. Like that. Yeah, but it forces you. It does pigeonhole you at some point into okay. You have to make these dishonorable decisions, whether right. you're doing the side right. missions with um, what's her name? Yana, y- yeah, Yana, Yara, no. What the fuck? Yuna, isn't that? Yuna. God damn, I can't even read my own writing. Yes. She is one of my favorite, like... Really good character. I think she's she's supposed to be, like, the number two person in this game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Even from the the beginning, because she's the one who saves you. Yeah, she saves you. She goes through... 
her brother's death. I mean, that was a pretty good scene when that was the con fucking just from that moment until the end of the game. I did not stop playing that game. I mean, I stopped like to sleep <laughs> and to eat. Sure. But like, I didn't play any other game. I was like, Oh, okay. And I knew it was coming. Like, yeah, they, like Uzo has you knocked out Ryuzo has you knocked out and it's like fuck and then you're like you're tied up and it, when you're tied up I'm like okay maybe they're just gonna put you through a section and then we, as soon as you try to struggle and then you just see the con walking up and it's like it's like the fucking pin drop of like oh fuck they're gonna kill him I can't there's a there's a I'm trying there's a vague memory in my head of something I think maybe Game of Thrones related and I don't think it's Red Wedding related necessarily but it's just like when it's just such a silent moment and it's like oh fuck that character's there that means it's over and I think it might have been um Maybe when Ned's dead and like when Ned's beheaded, maybe it's that same. I mean, it's kind of a very similar scene where it's like, you know, you're both in trouble. You've both been tied up. And yeah. It's this glimmer of maybe, you know, something's going to go on. But of course, Taka decides to swing the sword at Coden uh, Khan and then that's it. That's it. And he gives him an option. He's like, go ahead, kill him. And oh. yeah, that's such a good scene. Um, and which uh, were some of your favorite like side stories? Because I feel like this game, in the way that a lot of people proclaim Witcher 3 to have like some of the best side content in an open world, I feel like Ghost of Tsushima also can carry its own when it comes to that and in surprising ways that i i didn't quite expect were there any standouts for you um sorry i got distracted someone messaged me on facebook about the podcast uh like the the side quests or like the side missions Mm, which side missions stood out to me yeah um well of course my favorite um, side missions were the ones with because um... there's two distinctions here there's the sort of subquests that follow a chain of other subquests that have their own narrative so uh, you have the I forgot the archer's uh, the sensei's name but Ish- Ishikawa yeah Ishikawa uh, and you, you're following uh, his apprentice which is uh, Tomo and Tomoe. basically Tomoe Maybe it's, it might be the. I mean, of course, they say Ruzo in the in the thing that's Ruzo. It all depends on how you pronounce it. But I'm just pronouncing how they pronounce it. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's the subquest, and then you have like the more smaller, uh, I guess, side quests that are very easy to just pluck at and complete. Um, so when it comes to this, like the character-based side quests, I yeah. think Yuriko that one fucking heart-wrenching um probably my favorite side quest as it probably is yours for the character i love sensei ishikawa 
uh, his whole side quest because there's a moment and I I wish it wasn't like there it makes sense that they're kind of disjointed as in the first island you have a certain amount you can only do on that first island then you have to play the main quest and then you go back and meet these people up later yeah Mm -hmm. however because they're disjointed it's like kind of steps in between because there's a point in sensei ishikawa's thing where i think he's gonna actually go against me at some point and fucking shoot an arrow at me um which actually happens in lady masako's story which was exactly because she's already on the edge but i think she shoots that like i had my my mouth dropped to the floor many times in this game, but it was when Lady Masako shot the fucking monk in the cheek with the arrow, and I was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, okay. He's like, Lady Masako, what are you doing? He's like, he killed, he, he helped kill my family. I was like, and then it's just the duel scene, and it's like, fuck. And I think that was in the, the initial trailer for the game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they played a segment of that mission, but mm. it's it's basically changed now. I guess through right. the, the development, it, it felt more like a stealth mission, mm-hmm. and then uh, eventually that scene plays out almost exactly the same, but the context of like why you go there is different. Yeah, um, but, but the, the long and short of it's like I was like, oh fucking the the music swells up, and yeah, like it's like those moments of the music intensity meeting the the um also sorry for the audio listeners the washer just stopped in the house oh it's a very loud vibration but um the long and the short of it is the intensity meeting the story moments of of the music like would talk and dies when your horse dies and it sacrifices yourself itself to kind of you know to get you to the next place where you needed to be it's those moments just like fuck the music's so perfect um or Eureka the somber moments uh the the fucking epic moments where you've you um you've, you're killing that fucking enemy that finally did it and there's a cutscene for it or the, the moment where you're fighting your uncle at the end the music is fucking great if you don't know about me and music and you should by this point if you've been listening to this podcast i think music is the way you make a game fucking amazing and you did it with this game right here and you know of course with last of us 2 the music there not necessarily the moment-to-moment music but the more it's 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 definitely more understated the epic music parts that you get like aha's take on me that's probably one of my favorite music parts in the whole last of us but this game is full of it whether you're just riding along or you're doing a duel or you're talking to somebody it's like one of those you know very intense moments like right before taka dies it's very intense because it's like oh shit ryuzo tied me up i didn't know this guy was gonna be here and now it's like it it's very much juxtaposed if for someone who hasn't played the game it's a moment where Loki is very comparable to where Loki, a very beloved character, I think Tak is more beloved, but Loki is like, you know, going to backstab Thanos, and Thanos just grabs him by the neck and he's like, sorry, or sorry, bitch, just cracks his neck. And it's like, you, f- you feel that anger of like, fuck, you just killed one of my family members. 
in front of me and it was brutal and they and he oh and then he picks up taka's head and he's like look look at him look at his face like fucking jesus christ just just the cherry on top who's the actor that played code and con so good i think i've seen him in other things as well oh my wait is it the guy that plays no hold on but yeah you want to while i look this up okay um but yeah like what you mentioned about each of the signature moments for the game um resonates far more (laughs) music what what'd you find out the um the actor that plays koten khan in this game he plays um uh genghis khan in night at the museum (laughs) that's where i've seen him before well i mean makes sense perfect fit yeah perfect fit (laughs) that's fucking hey if you're guaranteed to get hired for the same role for the rest of your life and you i mean there's nothing wrong with that i mean robbie malik's in that movie so yeah he plays the the king tut um but yeah as i was saying like such a goddamn good game what else do you want to say about it I want to talk about how this is probably I again I might be wrong but in terms of the AAA uh, landscape of mainstream titles um, this is the first game in my eyes that I was hoping it would be sooner but I can understand the legacy of Breath of the Wild has to you know take its time to f- ferment with the developers around the world you know how much we gush over that game and mm-hmm. i consider it to be the landmark of open world still but oh, yeah. ghost of tsushima did something in a way that most other ubisoft style open worlds haven't done and that's pretty much streamlining and simplifying the user interface as well as the indications uh, around the world when you basically encounter a objective or a landmark. And the way they use the wind in this game is mm. fucking phenomenal. It's such, yeah. it's such a small thing, dude. It's a, such a small thing, but it's, it's, it's two things at once. It's a mood setter, and second, it guides you to any distinct like landmark or objective like i mentioned but it's not something that you can specifically tailor unless you go to the main menu and say oh i want the wind to guide me to a certain like uh like a fox den or a hot spring or a or you know a haiku uh area to you know compose the 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 haiku poetry um hmm, and yep, still some of the most yeah, that 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 oh god i didn't even get to like the little missions on the side we didn't even talk about that this is where the beauty of the game really comes through like i enjoyed the narrative as much as as much as you did but to me it's these small moments that kind of interconnect because the wind is really the guiding force and i like and i like how they contextualize the wind as this as the essence of Jin's father, because uh, I think if you recall in one of the cutscenes, they kind of compare his death to like you know he will live on in the afterlife, obviously, but he will, he will live on. Guide you. He will be the one to guide you as as the wind, practically. Um, and so I, I thought that was really well done, and I just love how the user interface. The, the there is no mini map per se. Um, 
it's just like so streamlined and it makes you feel more connected to the world and you don't feel like the whole place is cluttered everything feels a lot more organic you can boil down a lot of the things that you do as repetitive like eventually by the time you get to your 20th fox then you're gonna be like okay well i've done this i know what to do here but that repetition never got stale for me because you're always greeted with the beautiful landscapes and the signature like set pieces that they handcrafted uh in a way that a lot of open worlds typically don't foster much creativity in that space um and some open worlds it's just here's a landscape uh and you hear some objectives and okay you gotta go here okay once you're done with that you gotta go to the next area and it feels by the numbers this for some reason is still by the numbers but doesn't feel like it and that's that's still the trick that sucker punch managed to pull off that Breath of the Wild did uh, that I just find so fascinating. It's just this little small thing where it's just the wind and you just exploring the world without any objective markers. Um, you could actually minimize the UI to where it shows nothing. Right. Yeah, I didn't do that. Um, I did that temporarily. That. Yeah, I, I, I did that. And I found how... It, it didn't really change much, which was surprising. Like, obviously, the combat indicators is a big thing that you might still want to have. Um, because, you know, if, if if you don't know what stance you're doing, unless you remember, like, the button uh, presses that you have to do, which Triangle, is easy spearmen, enough. squares, exactly. brute, circles. Eventually, you get used to it. Shield and... Yeah. You know what actually is funny? Now that I think about it, it literally matches the buttons. Exactly. That's the circle that's is the shield. Is the circle trying to the tip the of a spear? Uh huh. Yeah, that's. I didn't Pack think about sword. that until just now. Yeah. <laughs> Squares like the big box man. <laughs> the yeah. Big the shield big box. Exactly. Like they had that uh, visual uh, context with the with the control with the buttons on the controller, mm-hmm. um, and so i i think that's going to be the biggest thing that will that i will leave ghost of tsushima with in terms of like it took inspiration from breath of the wild and red dead redemption 2 in terms of like uh basically the interactions with some of the side characters that that you approach out in the world uh, again, repetition, and you're going to follow. You're going to encounter a lot of the same type of like small events. But again, this repetition, it just doesn't get old for some reason. It's like the combat is just so smooth. Um, it's 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 not necessarily hard to master per se because. What the game allows you to do is flexibility and what type of builds you want to craft. So when you sort of like approach like the shrines in in the map, you're going to get like this uh, top tier charm that you get to equip, and you can equip up to like two major charms mm-hmm. or three, and then like four smaller charms. Um, and then having all those set up, you can have a variety of builds where you could be more of an archer. Uh, you could Deal more damage while you have low health. Be sneaky. You can be more stealthy. There's a really like, good stealth one where you can, at some point, you can get a distraction bell 
and throw it. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, then that you can turn that bell into poison. Exactly. Exactly. God, I, I I fucking just love my uh, my shinobi setup when they came with the bells. But but yeah, it's just this game for all intents and purposes. If you were to look at it from an objective lens, it it does feel like a generic open world, but. The way they crafted that world, the way they tweak things just a bit, just to make that distinction in how you traverse that map, and it's just fucking gorgeous, man. Like if Roger Deakins, a famous uh, film cinematographer, he did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, he did There Will Be Blood. Like if 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 he did like a video game or like if I'm pretty sure someone took inspiration from his cinematography because there are some gorgeous ass fucking landscapes and shots in that game and then the photo mode is extremely robust uh, oh, it's yeah. probably the one of the most ro- robust photo modes i've ever seen um it's quite impeccable um and i, it's I just... literally changed my background <laughs> this to i think i got uh-huh. my background and uh my my display in my playstation um to one of the photos i took in that game and i didn't even i didn't here's the thing i didn't even use any of the photo mode stuff i just took the fucking picture because that game is fucking beautiful by itself i didn't even have to edit anything it was perfect sunlight it was just a grand scape you could i think it's me on a mountaintop looking back at the first island and it's just fucking don't even need it uh, any filter exactly it's um yeah it's it's just a picturesque fucking beauty of a game um it like the the last of us part two graphically is impressive but for like a different uh reason it, it's it's more technically impressive in terms of like animations and lighting but Ghost of Tsushima is just flat out gorgeous with how they incorporate the color palette. Um, and I just love how things are vibrant and they pop. Uh, and that just and and that just kind of just improves a lot of the qual- of the quality of the cinematic moments in that game. Um, did you try the black and white mode by any chance? The Kurosawa mode? I did yeah. try it initially. I didn't try it at length. I probably should have. Um, oh, okay. Well, also before the prior, yeah, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, um, yeah, I did not try the Kurosawa mode at length. I probably should have. Um, it would have been uh, something to behold. I definitely seen some of Kurosawa's movies in the past. Um, definitely. Uh, the tale. What? Oh God! The, I, maybe I'm not sure if it's his, but Kurosawa movies. Um, Bear with me. I've never seen Rashomon. That was the one I saw. That's a very good movie. It's a very short movie. It's an hour and 20 minutes, but it's essentially... um, Rashomon is a story about three different people telling three different stories about the same event. Uh, And it's fucking amazing. I highly recommend everyone go watch Rashomon, R-A-S-H, like Rash-O-M-O-N. It's probably one of my favorites of his. Um, and then I think I also saw 
something else. I definitely need to explore uh, his films. Seven Samurai I, is probably a really good one I haven't seen. Uh, but yeah, Rashomon's really good. Yeah, because that was the inspiration for Star Wars, I believe. Seven Samurai? Yeah. Initially, hmm. it, it, it was basically what cemented Lucas to creating Star Wars in terms of like the concept of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that movie um, that I know of. Oh, not um, to mention Rashomon, I think, may have been his first film. Yeah. No. Sorry. He made something in 43 and 44, but this is right after World War II, 1950, um, when he made Rashomon. So, sorry, what was I talking about before I got into Kurosawa? I didn't try to. talking about how drop dead gorgeous the game was and how yeah. Sucker Punch should it's be so- fucking awarded with all the visual design. Mm hmm. <laughs> For an, American studio, for an American studio. That's so funny. Have, have you seen that meme where it's like a uh, Japanese studio made a medieval series, Dark Souls? Mm-hmm. And, and then Sucker Punch. Japanese they superimpose these. Uh, yeah. The, sim- the, the samurai shaking the hand of the knight. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, dude. But seriously, like, I, I see this game getting game of the year so far, um, depending on what comes out during this year oh we still have quite a way to go oh, yeah we still got 2077 and we if that comes out this year which you cyberpunk think, i still think it's gonna get you think it's gonna get pushed back um that's yep. probably not probably not wrong there um what else do we have uh that's right call of duty black ops cold war that's not gonna win game of the year but I think it's going to win Shooter. You never know. Maybe the single player is so good that Maybe it's it'll like, blow me away more than more than Ghost of Tsushima. I doubt it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just to go back to the Ghost of Tsushima conversation, um, wh- what are your expectations for a sequel? Because I, I feel like... They shower tidbits that a sequel is possible, but I also feel like they provide enough closure to where it's like they don't have to. Right, yeah. I, I don't they definitely don't have to, but if they did, it would be pretty friggin' amazing. They kinda left it open book, like as in they could do whatever they want. They can leave it as is, or they can do another story. Um I don't know what they would do. Unless it was, hmm. Because let me add a bit of the context. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, the concept of the Mongol invasion in in Japan in the fourteen hundreds. Um, the I'm not well versed in Japanese history, but this is just one tip that I know is that the reason why the Mongol invasion ultimately kind of faltered was because a huge monsoon plowed through the area and basically diminished them they got destroyed by that they got destroyed by that and so i love how they basically shifted that history a bit to show Jin as probably one of the main reasons why they also failed so if they were to tackle that uh shift in history 14th century different the mongol invasion of japan was in 1274 sir oh 1274 yeah that's not 14th century it's 13th century That's okay. That's I. I was How off by one century. Yeah, it's it's, it's, I would have known that, but, but I just had to look it. Okay. See, that's fine. That's fine. But um, 
But yeah, uh, they could tackle maybe a different historical setting with the same premise of like, you know. I think they have that potential to be like the next Assassin's Creed, but grounded within the confines of, you know, the actual reality. Reality. (laughs) Um, I could see do you, okay so if they continue with Jin's storyline um maybe he goes to mainland Japan and there's some shit but if they were going to do something I'm not sure oh, but they almost have to keep with Jin right uh, I have my maybe, I, they, maybe they go with Yuna maybe that's I have, the route yeah could be could be my I think I think if if it was up to me, uh, I would do a sequel that takes place in mainland Japan, and it would follow Tomoe, where mm-hmm. at first you another. start off, yeah, so you you kind of first start off, and she wants to, you know, create a new life for herself, as she hinted that she wants to forego the way of the samurai, but eventually things catch up to her, and she is forced to follow the path of the ghost again, like Jin did, but I, I feel like it'd be cool if she could, like, start like one of the founding organizations that eventually becomes Starts like the, the yakuza <laughs> not the yakuza per se but it like, dies right in it it essentially some, ties up into yakuza the, the game oh god no let's not go there yakuza is uh wow um i tried playing it yeah but um but like maybe she starts off like an organization that deals with like the shinobi slash ninja and kind of just furthers that kind of helps uh cement that starting point for for that lifestyle for that type of combat for for basically the whole persona of a ninja or a stealthy dishonorable yeah, i think i can, really I can cool. see them going that route as well that was going to be my other tale i mean yeah. they're going to probably do a prequel with i would see either doing a prequel with yuna or doing a a, sequ- a full-on sequel with um Taboy. those are the two most obvious ones to me yeah because um, because at the end, we are left with Jin being exiled by the uh, Shogun of Japan. Yeah, he lost, so, he lost his clan status. He's been uh, exiled by them. It's no longer... Uh, it's, it's, it's no longer... He's no longer wanted, and he's pretty much an outlaw at this point. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of room for more exploration, um, which I'm very excited about. But... Most definitely, this game has. It's. It was a bigger surprise than I than I even anticipated because I always thought people underestimated Sucker Punch and they thought, ah, this game, this game's gonna be like a B tier game. Like, yeah, you know, they're, they're only good for you know uh, superheroes that shoot lightning out of their hands and fucking <laughs> raccoons that steal shit. Come on, <laughs> not original at all. <laughs> And then, of course, they bring this powerhouse of a game. I can't say good enough things about it. And not to mention the Legends thing that's coming out, oh, that's which was cool. not even expected. Dude, that came like, out of what? left field. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was in my commute to work and I saw that on my phone, I was like, my my jaw was like, ah. Oh. What the fuck? Really? And it's oh kind of, God. it's not even in the same vein. It's not even like. Oh, no, it's a cold complaint. It's like Neo. <laughs> exactly, because you're going to fight Yokai. It's going to be more surreal. Um, but it's kind of cool that they incorporated the 
characters of the mythic tales for each of the classes. Oh, so, did they? I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, so you'll play as the archer. You can play as the Gosaku, I believe, the Gosaku. big armor. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Ronin guy. Uh, and then Kajira? the fourth. I, I think so, yeah. And then the fourth one, I forgot. I think it's a... I forgot what the fourth the one guy? was. The Bodhi? No. No, the the archer I, I already mentioned. Um, the archer? Oh, maybe the, the heavenly strike person? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The heavenly strike person. Because there's five. There's also the one. But the, the other one was more of the meteorite fire guy. Oh, that's right. The last ones you get. Yeah, with the fire sword? Mm-hmm. So maybe oh, it's not, maybe it's not the, the fire trick. The fire sword. It is so aesthetically pleasing to use. I found it completely useless though to like <laughs> even bother using. I, I felt like I was like, this is like one of the last mythic tales you complete, and the expectation is that you're just being more of a badass than you are. But the best one is the one where you squeeze right, right R1 and L1, and then you just slash through and speedily like kill three people in fucking three seconds that dance of death yeah yeah dance of death is my favorite <laughs> yeah how, how can it not be especially when you can build an infinite uh what's the what's the term that they use insight, for the insight? there you go you can just refill your insight and just keep using that yeah that's pretty crazy yeah pretty damn broken um yeah, if you can get infinite arrows like Legolas, there's just little yeah, bricks in that them, game that make it just but makes you a legend. The, yeah, and then have them with a chance of poison your enemies, so just one shot, boom, there. Done. Yeah. I'm definitely uh, excited for what's going to come next for Ghost of Tsushima, and I think this is a good point for us to stop. Did you have any... Um, any other comments you want to make about the game? Something we didn't bring up. I think we brought up the duels, which is my favorite. It's if they yeah, make, if they could make a, a Star Wars game that had that same mechanic in it, fucking sign me up. It might be a while for that. Yeah, the right developer has to tackle it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but no, I think I think I've said my piece for both games, both stellar games. Did we so. talk about the ending? Uh, oh yeah, let's briefly talk about did. The but yeah, I, I chose the uh, the don't kill the uncle route um, just because I feel like I don't know. Both apparently are both emotional, but or one's less emotional than the other. But I think he needs to live with his leave. I I felt like he needed to live with the fact that it was like you're not gonna get your way. Exactly. And that's exactly why I'm not going to kill you because that yeah. would be giving you everything you want. And of course, it's disrespecting him for sure. But at this point, <laughs> at this point, he, this he hasn't point, supported you throughout your you decisions. Are, so yeah. I'm not going to support you for this one. You know. Exactly. Um, you do have that tinge of hope that you're leaving him alive. So you you kind of you, you're kind of still doing the good thing by not killing him, but you know in his eyes it's 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 worse it's a worse fate than death itself but that but. red armor but that badass red armor you get that red armor <laughs> sure yeah that's true matches the uh, samurai armor color you get um <laughs> and then of course they incorporate a different armor set where you can 
dress up as uh, Sly Cooper, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but the ending, yeah, it's very. You get to fight your uncle, and it's it's fucking epic. I don't know how many times he killed me. Roughly about the same time as Kajiro killed me. Um, Kojiro was a fucking beast, but yeah, it was very, very satisfying last duel for the game. If I had to boil down the game to a certain statement or phrase, it would be, this is the spiritual successor to Assassin's Creed 2 that took too long to get here. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed 2 was the last time I was this enveloped into its action, its story, its character. Whether it's the climbing for the shrines that reminds the climbing for Assassin's Creed, whether it's the, the combat system that's amazing, whether it's the side storylines that are well worth it well worth the time i don't music music alone is so good for just the story moments the tragedy the evil villain of coton khan just and he he kind of it, it makes you think about like well maybe we should you know he's right in a lot of ways he he gives people choices and then they just go against him. He's not just outwardly killing every single person in his way, except for maybe the first guy. Um, and of course, he has this army that, of course, he's telling, you know, go pillage and all this shit. But at the same time, he's telling some of these main characters, like, hey, if you just let us go through and conquer you, there will be less death. You don't want to do that? Fine. More people are going to die. But, and then the final. We didn't even fucking talk about the final fight with him. Uh, we completely skipped over that. I feel like that was fucking amazing. So it starts off as like a normal duel. Um, and you... He has his, like, essentially the same outfit and everything he has in the first fight you fight him in, where you get tossed over the bridge and pretty much almost die. Um, but he starts off with his log spear, and you gotta fight him. He's very diff- different. Kind of reminded me of fighting like, I don't know, a Darth Maul type of character where he has a double-edged sword kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it has immense range. Yeah, really big range. And then you beat him in that first fight and he just tosses poison in your eyes and you can't really see shit. And you're like, oh God, I gotta heal myself. But of course, your insight's down because you just fought him. And then you go through a bunch of his goons. You get onto his ship and then you fight him again. But this time, you have full access to not just... You have full access to everything. So you have your ghost weapons, you're fighting him, and he has his um, his spear at first, and then you break his spear in half, very satisfyingly, with a snap. And then it's just the tip of the spear, which is essentially now a sword, and a shield. And so you change up your stance, and you can fight him a different way. And then you just fucking around him through <laughs> through the middle and what did he what does he say when he dies um i remember it being con last words um it's a very good quote kill me and another will come never mind it's just pitiful ending pitiful death um, <laughs> he has some good you thought it was something more significant no well I, I actually did look up some other quotes of his um, um, but essentially he's just a really good villain it's fantastic and how you kill him and he's a badass throughout the whole thing like he's the one that kills Taka and 
that's fucking tragic, but it makes you hate him. But it's such a good performance. Like, such a good performance because you hate him. And it's like, fuck. You almost love him because it's like Thanos. It's like, God, such a good performance as this character, but you absolutely want to see him lose. But without him, what the fuck is the story? It's just another invasion. Without this actor playing it, and the actor's name is Peter... Uh, Peter Patrick Gallagher. Um, like, such a good performance, I gotta say. And I'll just leave it with this. This is the quote that I like the most. Do you want to know how I was uh, how I was prepared for today? I learned. I know your language, your traditions, your beliefs, which village to tame, and which to burn. Like... He's the ultimate conqueror. And that's that's a really good quote. I don't remember what part. I think it might be in the. They use the that beginning. in the, uh, one of the first trailers. Yeah, I think it was yeah, also in yeah. the very beginning, right before he burns that guy. Right. Right before he tosses the torch onto him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So good. Any other any other statements before we we cut this one off? Let's see here. Um. No, I think that was it. Uh, I can't wait to see what Sucker Punch does next. To be honest, I feel like they're they're really putting their, themselves up there in the upper pantheon of Sony first party studios, and it's just gonna be crazy to see what they get to do now. Because as of now, it has been official that Ghost of Tsushima is the fastest selling new Sony intellectual property in its history. Goddamn right. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, um, that does it for this episode. I think um, we're all looking forward to what we can see in both these games, whether it's the Battle Royale. I mean, sorry. The, uh, <laughs> the um, what's the, what's the term for the, the Last of Us uh, multiplayer? Factions. Factions. God, I can't remember that. Factions. Um, whether it's the factions in Last of Us coming up probably in the near future. Legends hope, has been yeah. absolutely confirmed. Uh, factions yeah. is not. Not really. Um, Before the end of the year, it has not been confirmed. No. But I wouldn't be surprised if it came out by the time the PS5 also came out. Yeah. And so um, just wanted to do a... Do a uh, a uh, episode on this these topics uh here we want to cover that and then also um the next episode i think we're going to cover more recent topics and just have a shorter episode um we're going to cover topics like call of duty um what came out with that the whole viral campaign for that in Warzone. we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about uh the new witcher pokemon go game <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't no, have to talk about. We're not no, talk we're about not. That. The only thing I'll say about that is there's now a Witcher Pokemon Go game. Um, you can look that up for yourself if you want to. Um, there's there's tons of stuff to talk about. We'll all cover the, like more more recent uh, events in gaming in our next episode. But if you joined us, thank you so much for joining us. Um, be sure to follow us uh, on Instagram. You can follow me. Actually, no, you can follow Steven. Do you want to give out your personal handle? <laughs> Let's say no. Uh, 
he doesn't yeah, want to. No, no, that's fine. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at, um, I believe it's uh, NYE Podcast, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, same on Twitter. Um, so thank you so much. And if you're interested in what uh, we're going to be doing next for when to expect our next episode, uh, shoot us a message about maybe something you want to hear us talk about or um, something that you want us to hear, hear us discuss. Uh, other than that, have a great rest of your day, night, morning, whenever the hell you are, and uh, have a good one. Wear your mask. Yeah, wear your mask. Stay safe. I already sound like I got a sore throat, which I don't, just for talking too much. All right, have a good one, (laughs) y'all. Bye.